right, everybody. We have a lot to talk about, and I feel like we're doing a uh, afternoon drive home sports talk radio episode. A lot of sports today. Uh, Shug, how are you feeling? Feeling good, man. I, I mean, <laughs> I just came off of what seemingly, um, it, it's seemingly a recurring, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like every Yankee, every worst loss of the Yankee season seems to be getting like usurped by another loss. And last night was probably like the the worst. But you know, it's, it's getting late early as um the great late great Yogi Berra um <laughs> likes to say because you know what in like a week or two we're gonna turn into August. Um, trade deadlines coming up, so I don't know if there's anything out there that I could write this ship of the Yankees, but you know, that's what's going on with me. You got on a bright side, um, NBA is you know turning over into a new season. Um, we're getting the NBA draft next Thursday, so when you know the next episode, we'll probably have our reactions because I expect you know a lot of things are going to happen with the Knicks and probably not too far after that, it's going to be free agency. And I think, you know, with the, the NBA, um, the NBA finals matchup we got where it was kind of unexpected. I think a lot more teams are going to start to to feel a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more open to like, you know, trying to compete and make, you know, swing some big moves and, and, do some things like the Atlanta Hawks, like you didn't expect them to be in the conference finals. Um, I mean, personally, I didn't expect them to beat us. So I'm, I'm assuming they're going to try to like do some, some different things in all season. So that, that's what I'm excited for. And the NFL's popping up pretty soon. Uh, there's a lot going on with that. We're going to get into. Yeah. So in this episode, we're going to talk about a lot about journalists and interactions they had with athletes. Uh, we talked about uh, Rachel Nichols a lot recently. Uh, we're going to talk about her question, and we're going to talk about uh, another interaction between a female uh, journalist, uh, Megan Kelly. Uh, we talked about them uh, on, our, on our show before, uh, I think earlier in the year or last year. But yeah, so we're going to get into that. But first, let's uh, let's talk about the NFL. Mm-hmm. They, they just uh, announced like a new policy or new rule. And it has to do with COVID and vaccination uh, uh, rules and policies. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of players are responding to that. And uh, Shug, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's a little different from last year. You know, last year I think the NFL. It's funny because when you know the whole COVID outbreak happened, it was like in March, so it was right a little bit after the end of like the previous NFL season. And months before the new NFL season and even NFL draft, they kind of had to like scrap that. Um, I actually was supposed to go to Vegas. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Put yeah, a draft, yeah, I remember that. And it got canceled and they kind of did it remotely as, you know, a lot of things are. This show right now has only been known to be remote. Um, so we, we know what they, they kind of had to go through a little bit. Um, and I actually thought they would have been like the most prepared because they actually had the most time. Like the NFL, yeah. I mean the, the NBA and the NHL, they kind of had to stop like you know um, a third, like two thirds into the season. Um, MLB, they were in spring training a couple weeks from the season, and then of course they had like labor issues 
as to how they were going to go about doing the season. Um, so I thought the NFL would be prepared, and lo and behold, they weren't. I think the only thing, like a matter of fact, like they they canceled the preseason. Um, I don't know if you remember, Mike, but they went straight into like week one of the season. Um, it wasn't uh, any kind of like, you know. Yeah, they kind of like made it out to be like the first four weeks were kind of like preseason. And that's why a lot of teams had like wins on teams that weren't, you didn't expect it. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but right. I, remember, I remember the Super Bowl in 2020 in February. There were like rumblings of like, is it going to be, uh, what's going to happen with the Super Bowl? That like in February 2020. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it still wasn't that taken that seriously. You know, I didn't think, I didn't take that seriously. I had a trip too in April. You had the Vegas trip. I remember that. And um, yeah, with NFL, the spring training, usually they, they go back into it right away. Like in March, they're mm-hmm. already like training and stuff. And yeah, uh, OTAs and stuff. And, and, you know, we thought they would be prepared. And then obviously we saw like baseball, empty stadiums, um, basketball, they did the the bubble NHL also did their own version of bubble. Like, I think it was like Toronto and um, Vancouver or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You remember though, like, people were betting on like Korean baseball because, like, that was the only. Sport oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was very, very bleak times if we, yeah, yeah. If we all remember. So it was really cool to see sports coming back. And um, even when baseball came back, it was kind of like baseball and basketball. Well, you already know my feelings on the NBA bubble, but it kind of feel, felt unreal with like the um like no fans yeah the the audio pre-recorded like sounds being piped in yeah and it it really shows you especially watching like the nba finals with um you know phoenix and milwaukee and especially the different not even just them but like the different arenas like we were talking about how like the garden like it was so cool that it was like the first time you saw the, the garden in like full capacity and you know madness on madison avenue um for the first time like in 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 like quite a while um we don't want those bleak times again so the nfl for example they're putting in these uh vax rules and um to stop it from maybe if another huge outbreak happens and then they have to cancel games again or have like empty arenas again stadiums we don't want that so we're going to put these measures and so uh we can avoid that mm-hmm. but let's say we have our uh, america's team we have Dak prescott that you know he, he was asked about it and uh what did, he, what did he say uh his thing was i don't necessarily think that's exactly important i i think that's h you know the hipaa yeah and and it actually he, isn't hipaa is it protects <laughs> it protects you from like invoking it makes you sound like like your 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 personal information is your personal information. Like if you want to disclose whether or not you're you've been vaccinated or not vaccinated, that's up to you. But I think a lot of these anti-vax people are invoking HIPAA when really that's not what HIPAA HIPAA covers. HIPAA covers um the medical people who handle your medicals. You're talking about like hospital staff, doctors nurses like those people can't disclose your information for you um which is why like a lot of times with like the COVID, when people go on like the this the the injured list or like the 
unable to play list or whatever, they don't even put like whether or not they tested positive for COVID. It's um it's usually up to the player if they want to disclose that information. Like literally all athletic injuries have to be like checked off by the player to say whether or not they're injured or not. And I that stuff is like on a need to know basis. Um, so invoking HIPAA was just, it, it's a way to make you sound like you're like invoking some kind of right that you have to not take the vaccine, which you do. But the thing about it is now the NFL is doing something where, um, it could actually, if you're not vaccinate, vaccinated, it could be a detriment to your team. And it's not like they're doing it just for the hell of it. Because as we saw last year, when they tried to have games and, you know, they, they had these um, outbreaks, right? The NFL runs on the s- smallest schedule, but it's also the, the tightest schedule. Like, there's no room for leeway. Like, at mm-hmm. least, like, in the NFL, in the NBA, NHL, MLB, like, everybody plays at different times. So you could say, all right, like, let's see when this team has a common, like, when these two teams have a common day off so they could reschedule, like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the, I mean, not a couple of weeks, it was actually just last week, the Yankees had, like, a big outbreak where, like, 10 players, um, I think it was 10 players or 10 players and also, like, staff were put on, like, the COVID list. And they have to, they have, they're within that right now where they have to remain on that for like 10 days and they had to cancel or postpone or reschedule a game against the, the Red Sox. So, you know, it was easy to just say like, all right, they're going to play, they're going to, the, they play the Red Sox at Yankee stadium in August. So we'll make one of those games like a double header, or if there was like an off day that both teams had the day before they'll reschedule it for then. But in the NFL, you can't really do that because everybody plays on Sunday. Everybody plays on Sunday or Monday. And possibly they could be playing Sunday and then be playing the next Thursday. So it's not a lot of room to, like, wiggle around. And especially when teams have, like, they have to have a bye week. Um, If they don't have a common bye week, it doesn't work out. So the NFL is trying to, like, nip that in the bud to say, like, okay, Let's try to prevent that happening as often as it did last season. Cause I don't know, I might be misremembering, but I believe there was a point. I can't remember if it was the Ravens or the Steelers or some team where there was like them or their opponent had like a COVID outbreak and they were kind of forced to play on like a Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. One week and then play on like Sunday. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. So like, not not only the fact that it messes up the players and the teams like flow, because uh, even if like people usually go like, oh man, if you play Sunday then you play Thursday, you're like man, that might be a fucking automatic loss because we're gonna be beat. But this was that, but it was also um, no one watched it. They played the game at like four, I think. It was like, a weird time, and it was a Tuesday sometime during the day, and they aired it on uh, like Amazon or something like that or YouTube or something like that. And like so, they're worried about money too. I mean, of course, it's a business. And then- you know? It also had, like, a situation, I think it was, like, the Bengals or the Browns. I think it was the Bengals, actually, where, like, yeah, I think it was the Bengals because I think, like, they're, like, Joe Burrows, who's the starting quarterback, 
um, was injured already. So they were down to like two quarterbacks. And then like those two quarterbacks were on like the, um, the, the, like they were part of like the outbreak and they had to like sign a dude, like a wide receiver off their practice team to play quarterback that one week. So the NFL essentially is trying to like stop all that craziness and have like as close to a normal NFL season as possible. And they're not forcing anybody to do it. Like, as a matter of fact, like you could look, you could not be vaccinated or be unvaccinated and play and probably, you know, do as best as you can with like, you know, wearing masks if, well, you know, if you're not getting a vaccination, you're probably, you know, like you, you, you're like that person probably doesn't believe in mask wearing and social distancing and those type of things. Um, but assuming that they are and they do take the precautions since they don't want to take the vaccination, um, if they're taking those precautions, they could probably play the whole season and not get a positive COVID test and play out the full season. That's your right. You don't have to take the vaccination. But let's say over the span of the season, you're unvaccinated, you test positive. Since you're unvaccinated, um, since you're unvaccinated and there's now this Delta variant that's that's going around that they're saying they're saying is a lot more contagious than the original COVID that we've been used to, but the vaccination does prevent that variant. It, as far as I know, um, it, it, it does prevent you from being hospitalized and um, dying, dying. And if you're unvaccinated, the likelihood of you, you know, being hospitalized and dying is very, very high. So they're trying to really, you know, pound away on like the back on the, the people who aren't vaccinated. Cause let's say, you know, somebody, cause remember like the NFL and NFLPA are still liable for like your pensions. Right. So God forbid it happens. Somebody becomes like violently ill who wasn't vaccinated, but tested positive for, for COVID and has COVID and that person becomes violently ill is hospitalized. They have all of these long-lasting, um, all these long-lasting um, effects on them. As we've seen, you know, you've seen a lot of players, um, or a lot of people in general who've had COVID and, you know, um, survived it, or at least, you know, um, healed up from it, have these long-lasting effects, right? You know does the NFL want to be held liable for that? And a matter of fact, I think they also said that, like they, they added something where they, um, if you test positive for COVID, like they're not going to pay you for time missed while you're on like the COVID list. Yeah. So that's not, yeah. So it's like, uh, you could be responsible for someone losing money. So they're like, people are, that's another thing that people are saying. So they're like getting, uh, up in arms with it. Yeah. Uh, one of the, some guy in the pad said, all he said was uh, the NH, NFL, uh, PA fucking sucks. You know, people are just like shouting out, uh, venting through Twitter. So people are, are getting uh, yeah, called out a, on it. It's a lot of people lost, you know, oh, like, all right, I'm not, I gotta wait and see how, what the, what, what the effects are on a vaccine, on the vaccine. Like, me and you, we've been vaccinated for like months now and mm-hmm. nothing has happened to us. So I, I do remember at the time when the vaccine came out in, um, or, or at first, um 
was available in like what this i didn't even realize it was december yeah it was like the summer. first dosage was like first responders and like my girlfriend got it because she's a teacher so they got it in december yeah so it was like i thought it was like january or february but it's been around mm-hmm. for a while and there's been very few if any cases where it's like oh this vaccine didn't do xx and o um but it's been around for a while and i remember everybody was like yeah we're gonna wait like wait a month and let's see what happens then it's like two months then three months then six months and you know wait a year two years and it's just like okay when when does the the um you know wait and see threshold when does that end or does it keep expanding till you you know you know you finally get covid and you actually you know bad things happen to you like well, when, yeah. now they're now they're going to be like us vaccinated are going to be like let's see what happens with the delta with these unvaccinated now the tables have turned <laughs> now we're going to test it we're going to see how it looks how you look uh in a couple of weeks yeah uh, and I, did you see the one guy where he died i mean or he he caught covid and he has long lasting effects and he went through like hell when he was in the hospital but he still doesn't want to take the um vaccine and he's like because he was like oh like the government um He's like, that's the government pushing their agenda and all that, like, bullshit. Um, I'll, I'll send it to you when we're done. I always say this, man. Like, people, they, they cherry pick, uh, if you can still use that term. They, they cherry pick uh, things like uh, sanitation. You want people who are anti-unions and anti-regulation, anti-government. Uh, all right, hold your garbage to the trash every week by yourself now. You know, like 120 years ago, there was trash all over the streets in the city. There mm-hmm. was sewage shit everywhere the government was all right we're gonna have some people go around there once a week and clean all this stuff up that's okay so then like other things aren't okay though it's like it's one or the other man it's like uh you can take you go to the doctor if you're sick but you won't take this you know yeah and people eat they're they're talking about like yeah yeah, FDA, FDA. FDA. yeah yeah i'm like you've probably eaten so much shit that and it's like there's people was like oh like if you eat fruits and and vegetables and i'm like dude okay all right did you get that 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 banana you're eating like did you grow it on a tree in your in your backyard no i bought it from this organic spot okay did you like look up every single detail as to how it was planted how it was um grown how it was delivered, what did what kind of preservatives did they use to make sure it was delivered to your quote unquote organic um grocery, quote unquote. Um, so it's a lot of things people like are loosey goosey on, but I mean, listen, bro, like outside was closed for like 18 months. Like I can't believe, like I really thought this thing would have been over by like June of last year. Like we're in going into August. And things aren't even like back to normal yet. So it's like and, I'm, and gonna the vaccine is, huh? I'm gonna blow your mind. I'm gonna blow your mind. So the amount of time that me and you work together is almost the same amount of time as I've been working during COVID. How crazy is that? Yeah. That's nutty. It's crazy. Time. Oh um, yeah, but it's like the vaccine is the path like people don't understand, like the vaccine is like the pathway to like normalcy. And um how much percentage of like the country is already vaccinated and there haven't been i don't know uh, the point is i don't know how much more proof you need but i think these people like making these wild ass 
oh, like, they're trying to control your life. They're forcing us. Like, they ain't forcing you to do shit, dude. Like, you want to play football for a living? Like, do it. And and somebody bring up, brought up, like, I think, as a matter of fact, I think it was Jamel Hill. She was like, all right, y'all play this sport that there's so much information that's out there that it has long-lasting effects on your body and your brain capacity. And y'all will go out and risk your health for that, but you won't. You find it a health risk to get this shot or these two shots. Yeah, it's like play without a helmet. Yeah, so, a matter of fact, that's literally what everybody says every time Cole Beasley opens his job. It's like, all right, if you feel that way, let's play without a helmet. A helmet. It's like because there's the, the, the helmet is recommended yet. to you. Yeah. yeah, they're not they're not saying that the the new helmets you need like a, a generation to see the effects of it. So yeah. wait it out. We'll we'll use you as the as the uh, test subject. Um, but yeah, I mean, speaking of long time, uh, we're going to talk about the Cleveland former Indians. Yeah. A it year ago, th- it ties into football too, because we talked about Washington, the Washington football team. Yeah. Washington football team. They have decided not to change their name yet. They're still going to be called the Washington football team. Yeah. The they ruled season. out one. They ruled out warriors because they were yeah. just saying like, you know, they can't do anything no, remotely. Yeah, yeah. No native American or indigenous people. Um, um, references to it. Yeah, yeah nothing to do with best, that. That's the best route. That's the best. Yeah, why route, not? Yeah. Just, just, just go with it with like uh, standard football, or do like a American like Patriot thing because it's DC. But with the uh, Cleveland uh, baseball team, uh, I heard about this a while ago, like a week ago. They mentioned it. Now it's official. The official mm-hmm. thing happened this morning, I believe. Uh, the Cleveland Guardians. Yeah, they're going and, to fight uh, next year. Yeah, so twenty twenty two. Uh, but of course, you have the typical responses of it. There's the the lighthearted Guardians of the Galaxy jokes. Mm-hmm. There's other ones like, "What's next?" It's pretty much the same argument people would use, like for like gay marriage. Like, "Oh, he has two men marry. What's next? Him and a dog? Him and a tree stump?" Yeah. They're doing the same thing with like, "All right, let's change the Braves. Let's change whatever." Yeah. Somebody um, with the guard with the Guardians of the Galaxy, like some or uh, somebody on the um. In, uh, yeah, yeah, or the, yeah. Or the Indians, uh, or the Cleveland baseball team, as I should say. I don't want to use that term. Um, they said, you know, if Groot isn't our mascot, I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah, I just saw that too. Yeah. Uh, uh, I am Groot. Um, I mean, then people are like, you know, bringing up other examples. You know, like uh, it was like a Mighty Duck team based on a movie. You know, it's not that serious. I mean, to the point where the benefit. I mean, like the negatives. Outweigh the positives, like of 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 change of keeping it. It's not worth it, you know. Right. Okay. So let's let's get into the name. So Guardians. Um, I've been to Cleveland once, drove in. Um, and once you drive is is like a well, I came in from Pittsburgh, from Pennsylvania. So the way we drove in, you 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 cross this bridge because you know it's it's you know Cleveland's on a lake. Um, you cross this bridge. I kind of missed it when I was looking at it because at the end of it, you see um, Jacobs Field or Progressive Field, whatever they're calling it, where the, the Guardians or, you know, Indians as they know now play permanently. Um, it's right at the end of it. But these, this, these columns, you know, when you go through like Tapanzi or, um, or the Como, um or Whitestone or Charborough, any of these bridges, there's nothing. RFK. RFK, you you don't see anything, um, 
aren't uh, no, you don't really look at the design and like the architecture. So I've been, you know, conditioned to not, you know, see these, you know, little these statues, but there's these statues, they call them the Guardians of Cleveland. And it's like some really cool like statues that kind of look like um like warriors or like soldiers or something like that. And they don't really have it's it's kind of like a um like a mythical type of thing. It's not really associated with any type of culture. So it shouldn't really be offensive. The Cavaliers um I think a couple of years ago for their like alternate or their um city uniform or whatever they call it, they actually incorporated those statues into their uniform. So the um guardians they're use you know incorporating them into to their franchise and you know I, I, the the thing I feel like Mike I feel like it's gonna be one of those things where I've I've you you've seen me say it right now as they release the logo but in like two or three weeks there's gonna be like an article and it's like oh this little reference no one noticed this little reference in in the um in the logo it's actually kind of like a, a a nod to the major league the ball with the um wild thing yeah you know i think i'm like the only one that caught that because it's it's turned the same way as that ball in in the logo but it's just it's like as if like when they were designing a logo somebody was like well you know everybody wants us you know to incorporate major league so let's figure out some type of way to do it but not be so like overt with it so it's like you really have to look at it even the seams on the baseball it's turned the same way so it's like a baseball and it has like the the helmets um the two wings on the helmet of the the guardians um the statues so i thought that was neat um they changed the word mark a little bit so it's a different like a little different font like it's the c is a little bit more squiggly it's not like that block leather letter not the block letter c that they've been wearing for the last couple of years um but it's kind of like wholesale changes they kind of kept the same kind of like typography um the same colors it looked like the uniforms are just going to are kind of going to be the same but they they're just going to change like the lettering and I was saying, uh, you know, that's actually kind of good because it actually, you know, people are saying like, oh, if you're going to change the name, why don't you change everything? It's it's lazy. And I'm like, you know what? It's actually pretty good because hear me out when I say this. It shows how unnecessary the Chief Wahoo, the name the Indians was because it's like you could have had the same team look the same have a, but have a different name something that's not offensive to anybody and i think the fact that they kind of kept things simple you know like you said with the the kiss keep it simple stupid mm-hmm. i think they they kind of did that but it's kind of like in a in a subversive way it's like yeah see we could have did this years ago but y'all were holding on to something that was really not important to our identity as much as you think it is yeah, at first glance, it looks like kind of like a, a a parody, like a shirt of like like you have a band T-shirt and then you have like a different TV show who uses the same font. Like you have like a guy who was doing the Kiss logo, but it's like for something else. 
Yeah, like um, you know how we did, you know, buy on the internet. We, we yeah, got yeah, the, yeah, the Looney Tunes thing, but it's exactly. Tony. Um, if anybody ever seen my tattoo, these are my initials, but it's done in the the way of the White Sox, the really Chicago cool. White Sox. Uh, and they already tried to distance themselves from the Chief Wahoo. I mean, Chief Wahoo's from the late fifties. People people think that's like their original logo. It wasn't, mm-hmm. but that was in the later in the fifties. Um, so they already tried distancing themselves with from that, but they would always sell the the logo anyway on the website. So they were still making money off it. So they probably could have gotten away with more time of just still being called the Indians, but like the color and stuff would be the same. Now, now it's the Guardians. Everything's the same except for that. I I really dig the whole major league uh, thing you noticed. I was thinking more like Flash Gordon, like Guardians. It, it reminds me of like uh, like you know Gotham City almost too. <laughs> with those statues they have in the movies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, perhaps that's the, yeah, perhaps that was like inspiration. Like, who knows? Um, Is Randy Newman gonna sing the intro now? <laughs> Is he gonna like talk about 2020 in the song? You know, Cleveland. Just talk about the whole thing about LeBron nah, winning was, last year. You know, it was interesting. They got Tom Hanks to do yeah. the narration. I, he, he ain't even like a. He's he's from like Oakland. Like, yeah, they, they, they apparently Cleveland apparently guy. he did theater there. They said back in the 70s or something like that. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. Like Charlie Charlie Sheen's like off. Off his rocker, but what about Tom Berenger? Like they could have got Tom Berenger to come. Oh, I'm running and pulling yeah. his leg. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that would have been perfect. I, he could have did. I swear, I seen uh, there was some kind of uh, it was no, it it uh, MLB Network. They did a special on like the '90s Indians, and I think it was like it was narrated by Tom Berenger. Yeah, they could have had him come out. He could play that character. He could play his character from. Uh... Platoon and Born on the Fourth of July. You know he's an underrated actor. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Berenger. Um, but it's funny. Yeah, like like we said, it was a lot of like ignorant like Cleveland fan. Like on if you open not even Cleveland fans. Just if you people. open like the the tweet from like ESPN about it when they showed the logos and stuff. Like you seeing like a lot of people from Cleveland complaining, and then you seeing a lot of people non fans. I'm just thinking to myself. Like for the non-Cleveland fans or people not from Cleveland, like what do you care? Like if the Twins or the Royals change their names, like would you give a damn? Like no. it's it's funny as hell. People cling to like these racist stuff, um, more than anything. Like you you do realize like clinging to Indians is like almost like clinging to like the Confederate flag. It's like yeah. defending uh, the Confederate flag, and I felt bad because um. True others on um, Tala I am on Twitter. He was like he had to retire his um tweet, you know, the <laughs> where the guy's in like the war paint and he's dressed up mm. talking to like a, a actual Native American like pro- protester. And he's like, It's not racist, and I'll tell you why, my friend. He's like, No, yeah, he had to <laughs> he has to retire that tweet. Yeah, we spoke about that. That came up in the episode nine uh last year when we talked about it. Yeah. Um, um... It's and like then, in that movie. It's like having the uh, Chattanooga engines. Remember that in the Confederate States of America? They had all these like different names, and they showed mm-hmm. like all these fake names that were like that. Uh, Cleveland Indians. If if you didn't know that was an actual team, you might think that was that logo was made. That one just kept as a joke. It came the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it's funny because people was like, "What's so offensive about calling them the Indians?" Like, first of all, like there's never been an Indian player in MLB history. There actually been two guys from India. They the 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 pirates like signed because they played like um cricket, 
Mm-hmm. And they never made it to the major leagues. And it was actually made into a movie, but it was um starring our boy John Hamm as oh, like yeah, the agent that. or like the something like that. Um, but they changed it from the pirates to like the Dodgers. And but those two, the two actual people, those were the two closest Indians. And um it, it, you know, it's it's already been like a proven fact that the only reason people called Native Americans Indians is because like Christopher Columbus was like a jackass and you know thought he 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 sailed to America and the Caribbean and thought he reached India and saw dark skinned people and just was like, oh all right, it's Indians and it just stuck. Yeah. Yeah, I guess his own federal holiday. But shout out to the Cleveland Guardians, you know. Um Oh, we'll, we'll remember this day. And you know, it's funny, like, people in, like, a year, like, look at Washington football team. Like, people are so – I haven't heard anybody slip their tongue and, and call them the Redskins, like, in probably, like – since, like, probably, like, a month and a half after, the, you know, they, they, they started playing. You know, people are going to get used to it, and you're going to forget it. Like, nobody is like, oh, my God, like, why? Like, they're the Baltimore – they're the Washington Bullets, not the Wizards, like – Nobody well, Michael's didn't Al Michael stop saying the Redskins like years ago? A lot of people did. Yeah, a lot of people did. So it's kind of like you know they had a nice little transition. It wasn't yeah. Uh, abrupt. Yeah, and it's it's, uh, it's cool. It, it it'd be nice, and it, it, like people like when it happens, and it's not gonna happen initially. Like people are gonna make the, their jokes like the first season, or probably not even the first season, like the first couple months in the season, and then like. By the time, you know, October rolls around and, you know, they lose the division series and four games to the Yankees, you know, it'll, it'll all be forgotten. And NFL, Washington, they could, they probably could have kept the logo if, like, 10 years ago they changed the name. But remember, like, 15, 10 years ago they, they changed it to, like, oh, the uh, Arrowhead? The Arrowhead. Oh, I think all that shit needs to change. Like, the bridge. Oh, I'm saying, no, I said they could have gotten away. Like, they could have... Yeah, subtly they could have got it, away but... with it for like yeah till like 2019 and then it would still happen but you know all of these teams should just change i mean the braves like hank aaron we just like they did a beautiful really beautiful um you know ceremony celebration with his wife at the all-star game with school as well like you literally don't even it's again the same thing like Cleveland. Like you would have to change very little. Turn that tomahawk into a hammer and just call yourself the Atlanta Hammers. Yeah. You know, and, and imagine I instead of like Tom Hanks, like that intro video, you have like Future or like the Migos, um, or ooh, Break Bank, get Andre three stocks and big boy, get outcast. Like, you're telling me, Atlanta, if you got outcasts and, like, new Atlanta ham, like, we ain't the Braves no more, we the Hammers, like, we come hard or something like that. Like, you know, like, some kind of, like, thing. You know what? I'm doing, oh, like, free copy for these people. I, I would love... Yeah, the Guards of the Galaxy, you got the doors now. Yeah. You can have they the do, Patriots, yeah. the Captain America you could do for the Washington team. Yeah, you just, you just have, like... Some you know outcasts or amigos or or future and people will forget that they were the Atlanta Braves like that. Um, but we, we, you know I, I I'm glad they did. Everybody like please listen because it was like a good like thoughtful segment that we did almost a year ago, if not more than that. Um, episode nine, 
Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of ignorance on uh, sports, uh, our old friend Rachel Nichols. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. It's, it always happens that your, your team loses, you know, and you watch the post-game conference. And, of course, you got to hear your players at, and somehow just rationalize or just, like, in real time, think like real, realize, like, what just happened and try to come up with something uh, intelligent to say. Uh, but usually you have like a really great question and you have to like think about it for a minute. Rachel Nichols, if you watch the video, it's, it's silence. And uh, what does it feel like? And it's like it's another pause. And Chris Paul is like, feels like we lost. Yeah. I mean, like, would you have asked that question? No. If you had that, you had that, like, after all everything that happened during the last couple of weeks. I don't, I don't understand why, like, people have to get interviewed right after you lose. It's just, I always rationalize it like this. Imagine you had, every time you had a bad day at work, like you had to answer like questions from like customers or your boss or anybody. You had to answer questions like right after, like, do you think you'd be the most um, calm and collected or give like the most like um, comprehensive answers? Probably not because you're frustrated and it's like, somebody's asking you about your frustration you know like you have a, you have it's, you, you know you you it's like you get into an argument and somebody's asking you know somebody's like well why are you mad it's like bro like this this, this just happened like this this person did this and i didn't like this um and it's counterintuitive but you know before we get into that i just want to say like it was a great finals um very entertaining series. I don't know why I'm really partial to the um to the blowing of like the two oh lead. Cause when a team goes up like two nothing, it's usually like um you know, as LeBron said it after to Chris Paul after they they won the first two games, the 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 Suns did. He was like two down, two to go, and he and and LeBron never got. I mean, Chris Paul and Devin Booker never got that other two wins. Um, they lost four straight. I'm always partial to that, especially when a lot of people. It was funny, and we talked about it when the final started that people were asking, or like Dan Labertard was like asking, "Is it the worst?" Or his show, his social media intern asked, "Is this the worst finals ever?" And it's like, bro, it's been two games, like. You know, what if like Phoenix went up three nothing, and then Milwaukee came back? Wouldn't it been considered one of the greatest finals ever? Um, and Giannis really got his due. It was like one of the first time I seen somebody like win, and like it was just universal um, respect and happiness towards that person. It wasn't a lot of like hateration or holleration in this dancery. Um, obviously you had your little, it was funny. I had like a couple of people I was like doing like fan fiction, Nets, Lakers finals. Um, yeah, like fan fiction. And it was just embarrassing. Um, especially you think- have such a great basketball series. Yeah, what'd you, what'd you think of his, uh, statement about like, oh, we did it without a super team. We fucking did it, you know? Yeah. Cause he was the only one. I, he was the only person I could say that. I even tweeted out a tweet I made in March. Um, I think it was after we, um, I think, because we actually won the season series, so shout out my Knicks. Mm. 
we won the season series against Milwaukee. Um, we actually got our first win of the season against Milwaukee, but it was in March. I think we got our second win against them. And Milwaukee was kind of like, I think it was jostling between like, it was, it was a point too. And uh, towards the end of the season, people forget like we were pretty close to, to um like we were like one good week and one, like one good next week and one bad Milwaukee week from like overtaking them for that third spot. Mm-hmm. Like people forget that too. But I was, I tweeted out, I was like, oh, you're going to, I was like, damn it. I was like, damn, Giannis. I was, cause he was supposed to be a free agent, but he signed an extension. He signed an extension last summer. Um, And he would have been a free agent this off season. Obviously the Knicks have enough money that like they could have signed him straight up. Um, and I was like, damn, like he signed out extension. I was like, watch now, you're not gonna, you're gonna, you're never gonna make it out the east. You're just gonna be drinking beers and crying and cheese curds up in Wisconsin, you know. And this was me, and I was wrong as fuck. And I'm, I love, like I said, I love admitting when I'm wrong. Like he, I was wrong. He, he stayed, yeah, and, and they had everyone in the Deer Park. Yeah, he, he stayed and he committed and. They succeeded, and it was cool as hell. Like I, 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 I can't imagine like the feeling, like to win a championship is cool as fuck in of itself. But to win a championship on your home floor, like it was just awesome. Like his mom was wearing the hat from his draft, draft wow. night in 2014, and people from LA. He's got like an amazing story. He's mm. he grew up Nigerian. on the streets of, of um Greece. Greece didn't want to give him citizenship until he became an NBA player, even though he was born in Greece. So he was a man, like they were saying he was a man of no nation because he wasn't born in Nigeria. So he couldn't claim Nigerian citizenship. Um, I mean, I guess he could have because his parents were born there, but um, in the streets of Greece, Greece didn't want him. Um, I didn't even realize that his last name is yeah is the Grecian way of saying his African or his Nigerian name. Like, that's yeah, like, like my name is Anglicanized. Mm-hmm. Like, Mooney, Mooney is the English version of Momanahan. You know, like, they changed it. So, in Greece, instead of Anglicanizing, they Hellenize, because Helen is, like, the Greek word, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and it's weird, because it actually is, like, almost pronounced the same way. It's just spelled differently now. It's spelled to match up with Greek words. Yeah. It's a, I thought that was very fascinating. Point. A Tenacumbo. Like that's yeah. his like real actual last name, but it's a, a Tetacumbo here or in the the in Greece and it just carried over here in the NBA. Um and he was skinny as hell when he came into the league. Like it looked like you could like sneeze and he would have just blew away and he just worked hard and worked hard and he was just point. You know, last year he they got embarrassed in the second round, he got hurt. Um also, the thing we all forget is, like, he literally, like, his hamstring or his knee, like, he injured his leg, like, midway. We didn't even think, like, he would ever play again after um a couple games in the Atlanta, in the Atlanta series. So, it, it's, it's an incredible thing to see. And his resume is crazy. He's 26 years old. So, that means, like, he could play at least another 10 years. And his resume already includes a final MVP, NBA championship, two – um league MVPs, couple all-star game MVPs, defensive player of the year, all NBA, all defensive. Like he's he I think he was like the only player 
I mean, he's one of three players with Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon, fellow um, African player, that won finals MVP, defensive player of the year, NBA MVP, um, and all-star game MVP. And Olajuwon actually did it all in the same season. But over the span of career, only three people have done what he's done. Um, so it's going to be cool to watch, like, you know, if this is like the front nine of his career, it's going to be exciting to see what the, the back nine are going to be. For him, too, also, in that area, you have Green Bay, and then you have the Brewers. So, like, right off, winning this after a 50-year drought, like, he's up there with all their guys now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so. funny because people were, like, saying, like, yo, if you know, like, Wisconsin, like, it's it's they they – they lean more towards like the Packers. Um, so they had that video where he went to Chick-fil-A because he dropped 50 in the game. And it was one of a few times, only the second time. Um, and the first time was Bob Pettit like 60 years ago that somebody dropped 50 points in a clinching game. And he went to Chick-fil-A and he ordered a 50-piece yeah, I love that video. And he's like, "Oh, do you mind if I film you?" And he's just like, "I yeah, want." Yeah, and he was saying, "Not fifty-one, I... not forty-nine. I want 50. Yeah, and he was saying, "I uh, like." He was, he was like, people were saying, "I uh, like in Milwaukee or in Wisconsin, it's like Packers country." So she probably didn't even know, like, that was Giannis. She probably thought he played for like the Packers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, to be that's like seeing a guy on the Giants eat like a, like a left. A backup left tackle. You don't know who they are. They just seem like they're at, look like athletes. Um, Not re- realizing this is like the greatest player in like 50 years. Yeah, it's great. Well, we talked about it last week with Otani. Like, uh, could you have someone from another country, a foreigner or whatever, be the face of the league? And in the NBA, man, he's charming. Uh, mm-hmm. Giannis is charming. You know, he's uh, – you can see him keep going and uh, be on the commercials and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they give away subway ads, people now. Everyone has a subway ad now. Yeah, yeah. and then, like, Emmanuel Astro was getting, like, cooked. And, you know, we always do our job of, like, cooking him when we possibly can. But, you know, it's a story for another day. But he was basically saying, like, you know, people can't relate to Giannis. And I'm like, as somebody actually had a tweet in response to that, I was like, mm-hmm. he's kind, he's humble, um, and he works hard. Of course, Americans can't relate to him. <laughs> Yeah, but if you think about it, he's a he was a immigrant family in a foreign land, you know, like a different land. Yeah. It's very relatable, you know. Yeah, and it's crazy. It's, it's, it's insane to find out that like he wasn't even like accepted by Greece, but like his nickname is the Greek Freak. And you know, it's, I hope like going forward we could celebrate more of his Nigerian heritage. I put that on the forefront. Um, but going back to what you were saying about Rachel Nichols, um, yeah, it was like a like quite the silly question to ask, and um, immediately following that, Maria Taylor, who Rachel Nichols, you know, is probably like the bane of like Rachel Nichols' existence. Um, she actually is leaving ESPN. They said like they couldn't come to come to terms with a new contract. Um, so she's leaving the company. Um, all indications are she's gonna go to NBC, possibly sign something in time for the Olympics. 
Um, but I don't know. Perhaps it, it, she has like a non-compete, uh, a non-compete clause, which we're familiar with with wrestling, where you can't um, appear for another company for a certain amount of time. So mm-hmm. we'll see Maria, Maria Taylor like pretty soon. But um, well, there's a lot of potential. Uh, think about it. NBC has what? Football. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the. So they're saying maybe uh, uh, Football Night in America That's not, might be a spot for her. Yeah, she's going to be everywhere. Yeah. Football Night in America, the playoffs. Um, did they, I think they have – no, they don't have the NFL, the, the Thursday night games anymore. Well, but, that's like you know, a have, ball. It's a rotating thing. Yeah. yeah, but they have the Olympics. They have um, – the Notre Dame games, you got like Hockey. Kentucky Derby. No, nah, well, that was an interesting. I was gonna think I was gonna say about Rachel Nichols, um, because I don't think after this season, I think next season, um, uh, hockey is going to Turner, oh, yeah, TNT. Turner, and um, right. and ESPN. So I was saying, I was like, you know, if ESPN is already showing that they kind of like reading the room on Rachel Nichols and seeing that like the basketball community at the very least are not fans of her. I think like at this point, like she's going to end up, especially with that question. That was my response to that question. I was like, yeah, Rachel Nichols is probably best off. Like when NHL starts, like put her on the NFL, on, on the NHL broadcast, let her ask like Steve Samples and like Sidney Crosby, um those dumbass questions like it's because no yeah. like maybe they maybe like our community you know the, the basketball community is just like sensitive and maybe the hockey hockey community will be a little bit more um accepting of asking players dumb shit like how does it feel to lose after they lose it, it should have asked her how does it feel to be in the loser's locker room you you could be over in the uh just, just the ceremony the yeah. uh, trophy ceremony where all the, you know, they always send, like in, in the Super Bowl, they always send like the guy who maybe has like issues at home and he's like, he's like fucking up at work. They send him into the loser's uh, locker room to do that, his thing. Uh, so she's in the loser thing, you know, that's usually like the less, uh, you know, less uh, high profile spot to be in as a journalist, yeah. a TV reporter. But who do we have in the, the, uh, and in the NBA Finals uh, ceremony room, who do we have? Yeah, Malika Andrews. Man. Okay. I'm gonna try my hardest not to talk about her looks, but she is really, really good, and she's only 26 years old, which is incredible. Because I mean, like, she ever. really got on. Yeah, yeah, she really got on the scene. Um, at the very least, like 2019. So she was like 23, 24, and. Yeah, she's been killing it, man. She's really good good at what she does. I think she was on um she used to report for the the um Wizards um down in Washington, down in DC. And I think currently she's um hosting and she she reports on the Nets. And a lot of people are saying, Man, we hope like like my, my fellow Nick fans were like, Oh man, I hope like she gets that, you know, this NBA, like the the full time NBA spot because you know, I, we would like to like enjoy like you know her reporting because nobody like Nick fans don't want to see Nets reporting. Nobody wants to see Nets reporting according to <laughs> according to ratings. So yeah, Malika. I don't. I don't like. Yeah, uh, congrats on uh, for her. Uh, I mean, you know, 
Maria Taylor made the most of it too. Um, why would you want to be with a company that doesn't want you pretty much is what I would say, but you made the most out of it. You look like the good, good guy pretty much. Yeah. Uh, even though like, uh, yeah, you look like the good guy. You work out a contract somewhere else. So it has more potential because NBC uh, has, you know, has football. Football is the biggest thing. Um, I think that would be a good spot. Yeah, doing like Super Bowls. Um, it's going to be cool. It's Olympics okay. is 5 billion people watching the Olympics if she gets that. Yeah. Or in four years, oh, two years. All different winter companies. Olympics. Oh, well, actually, is Winter Olympics going to be this year? It's going to be this winter, right? Because it's 2022. I should have the page open, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's coming up at some point. Um, and uh, you you could become a more of a crossover person figure if you're doing those type of sports. Is it a sport? I sent Shug, I sent you that. Is it a sport? Is it not a sport? You know that video I sent you? Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically like those type of sports that are a lot of people. I don't really watch those type of Olympic sports and stuff and like skiing and stuff, but it's very very popular. Wait, so more people you know, know her. What I find with like the Olympics is that like a lot of non sports fans they get into like the random sports or they get into like the randomness of like the Olympics because nobody's gonna watch like swimming, you know, every year or like, oh I gotta watch this. But if it's on the Olympics, like people are watching it, which is why like Michael Phelps became like a huge superstar, you know, Ryan Lowe. Um, you know, you think about all the USA gymnastic teams. Um, what's really cool about them is because, you know, a lot of them, Michaela Moroni, Ali Reisman, uh, Simone Biles, like all of them became superstars, right? Um, they didn't become, it, it wasn't like, oh, they became famous because of like the infamy or like the doctor mm. in, um, in Michigan. Michigan. It was kind of like, they already were in like American society's eyes as like our sweethearts that when this shit happened, it was like, each and every one of us wanted to choke that dude out and like like beat him up. Yeah. Um, when I saw she's in a commercial right now. She's I just yeah, saw I love Michaela commercial. Maroney. Like ooh. she was just on a commercial. Well, yeah. I love her. <laughs> I always rewind that commercial when it's someone. Oh, uh, but yeah, not to get into. I'm not help. I'm not helping you out there, man. <laughs> yeah, not into my whole like thing. But yeah, I'm, the point is like all that you. Yeah, who who watches gymnastics any other time? Um. But, you know, the dumbass question, you know, those are the things I thought of when Rachel asked that question. And the next thing I thought of was Naomi Oscar because, you know, last week she had a huge week where she was in the uh, swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated. Um, she was on one of the covers. Mm-hmm. And I think she did an interview on in it. And then she has, like, a documentary, I think, coming out on, like, Netflix. Yeah, she did a lot of international magazines as well. She did yeah. uh, Vogue Japan, which is a big deal. That in Italy and UK one are big. Yeah, and a lot of people, um, you know, obviously, uh, people who don't like to see uh, young black women succeed in, you know, take with that what you will, um, don't like the idea of her doing all of this stuff because you know, not only the fact that she succeeded, and we talk about like Shikari Richardson, you know, a lot of people were critical of that. And uh, it was also that same crowd that don't like to see young black women succeeding. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, Naomi Oscar like declined doing like press after um, a tennis match. And then that became a big thing. Um, she attributed to like, you know, her mental health. 
And people made a big deal out of it, so much so that she actually pulled out of the tournament. It was the French Open. Mm-hmm. So people were saying, you know, a couple of weeks ago, her stance on meeting with the media and then, like, her being on a, you know, SI swimsuit and then doing a documentary, it's like, oh, you only like attention when it's, like, on your terms. And it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> like that's her right i mean really like it goes back to the rachel nichols thing like how many like what do you as the consumer of you know these you know these news articles these post-match news articles or these wrap-ups that these journalists do what do you get out of having a person ask these people like 15 different ways, how does it feel to, to lose or how does it feel to win? Cause even some of the, the, the post game press conferences after a win are kind of like, all right, this, this is like quite unnecessary. You know what I'm saying? Well, that goes into a bigger topic about the, the relevancy of media because it's archaic because uh, on the plane home, Chris Paul could have just tweeted out something and you would have got his response. He would have had like an hour to think about it. But in the archaic way of media, it's like you know, the only way you can get your work, your message out there is through the media yeah. back in the day, you know, but that's not, that's not the case anymore. But uh, the media would like baseball guys would uh, be uh, if they're like being dicks to the journalist, they'd be like, all right, I'm going to write a hit piece on him or I'm not going to talk to this guy. Yeah. You were very more reliant. You can't bite the hand. Now it's like, fuck out of here. I know it's sometimes in their contract, like it's fighting their contract with the NBA to like talk at least to the media. Mm-hmm. But um, you just have to kind of like, like someone else said, someone asked, someone asked Booker um, about uh, how, how frustrated are you for Chris Paul? Yeah. While Chris that, Paul was like sitting right next to him. He like double looked and was like, next question, please. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they want the stupid questions. They, get, they want the stupid answers to make the players look stupid. But let's go back to uh, Naomi Osaka thing. Uh, you know, and then we have the person that we're talking about is Megan Kelly, who became out of nowhere during the Trump thing. She became like the uh, everyone started loving her on both sides because how dare you speak to me like that, Mr. Trump, like that? Yeah. yeah. But she's back. She's back in the uh, doghouse now with this. Um, oh, she's been in there because remember she had her she she had her whole sh- um she loved Fox News and then she loved um. She she was on NBC and her show wasn't like popular because they kind of like were, she was basically still like Fox News Megyn Kelly but they were trying to repackage her as like somebody like everybody is supposed to like and it just, like an Ellen type chick well she's not even liked anymore either Ellen <laughs> yeah and it, it's like they they it, people didn't take to her like she had Jane Fonda on her show and like mm-hmm. Jane Fonda's you know always been awesome very rebellious um person great actress comes from a great family family of actors um humanitarian yeah humanitarian like i said awesome person and she's asking her about like so you never didn't you never got work done like what and it was just it 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 led to like a bigger conversation because it's like a woman asking an older woman about her looks and it's like need like nobody cares like as we've just went through all of like Jane Fonda's accomplishments, like why not ask her about all of those things? Um, and but Jane Fonda like held her own. I mean, the lady's been arrested like 
50 million times like protesting i'm pretty like she she wasn't she she didn't like blink uh i might be sexist but she has big balls yeah all right so on monday uh in like a back and forth on twitter with uh megan kelly and this guy conway mm-hmm. uh conway taylor i think his name is they were saying um like uh i don't think osaka's being i don't think naomi's being genuine uh, with her like being nervous about her mental or being uh, trying to get proactive with her mental health when she's on the cover of like four magazines, she has to stock you out. Uh, she's on the swimsuit. Uh, she's not being genuine. And then some other like a bitchy response from the other guy. And then Naomi actually goes, well, you should actually work on, uh, you actually work in media and you don't realize that I took those photos like six, seven months ago. Yeah. You know, and, it, and, it's, and even the, the interview portion of it is like, it's not like after you had a match where um, the umpire was, you know, being impartial or the, the ju- what, is, what is the, the referee in tennis hall? Is it judge oh, or the uh, umpire? The line, linesman? No. Um, the line, line, some about lines, linesman or some shit. Yeah. Well, anyways, if that person was like impartial and giving them a hard time the whole game, and it was frustrating and then they lost or they barely won and like you know you already have your feelings about the match and then people are like talking to you or asking you questions about it it's annoying and it's stressful um you as we've said like these things don't take place like hours later they usually take place like 15 20 minutes after the match like these people don't even have the time to like decompress like think about again i think people always look at these athletes and say like oh what do you have to complain about you have these millions of dollars that it's work like when you come home from work don't you need like time to decompress and you know like you know just get you know just relax for a little bit like I was telling my stepdad, like, he, he was wondering why, like, every, like, when I used to come home from work, like, I would come home, crack open a beer and, like, drink it and then sit down for a little while, then take a shower and then, like, I'll be out and, like, sociable and stuff like that because I needed that time to decompress and at least you just don't have that time. Yeah, and, like, what? yeah, I agree. No, but I'm saying, and like, when they sit down and do interviews, it's usually... It usually takes place like um, in like an office or at a restaurant or like a lounge or something like that, where it's very, it's not a hostile environment. It's a very, um, it's like, you know, like a, like a friendly environment, social. you know, a place where like a social environment where you can kind of be loose and be yourself. You're not, you know getting yourself out of like tennis match mode and then because you, you think of it that way and that's why it's kind of I could see how it's stressful on somebody's mental because it's like you're trying to switch from match mode to post match mode to um being in a relaxed state where you can answer questions comprehensively and not say things that can be taken out of context or something that somebody could run with and and not provide any kind of context to and it makes you sound like um out of character so to speak it's it's like being in uh, competition mode and then you're still in that when you're talking to someone or someone's talking at you uh like you're still in that mode where you're like being defensive it's natural to be defensive still and i love that analogy about work because 
if uh, like when I used to take the train home from work, mm-hmm. uh, I needed that 20 minutes, I'd be good. You know, or that half hour, I'd be good. And then I'd be able to transition into more likable mic. But uh, if I'm getting, a, if I get picked up like right away, yeah, I'm still act, I'm still in work mode, and I come off like high like high energy or like short, and you need that little buffer zone, and um, I totally understand that. Yeah, and it's nothing you can't ask that person within like twenty minutes after their match. Like, you couldn't, you could not ask them like, you know, three days, three or four days later. And it, it was just incredible. Like I, I just thought it was it was wild that uh, they were, um, you know, oh, like how could you do Sports Illustrated? Like do a Sports Illustrated interview, um, which was probably like over like brunch, um, and only lasted she, like a half an hour. Megan Kelly doubled down on it though. You know, before uh, Naomi said. Um, you should know that I took those pictures seven months ago. You're in media. You understand that like it takes like a certain amount of time for things to hit the shelves. Um, but Kelly, Megan Kelly, uh, you know, didn't like back off. She kept going with it, and she's like, oh, you know, uh, like trying to trying to go to her more and to have someone talk about it because yeah. she her stock is down. It's been five yeah, years since like, her I don't stock know. was up. Like she's not even on a network or anything. She's just like biding time to like you know false news calls again or whatever whatever company but you know we'll 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 see if if media gets any better um but i just it was crazy how all of these topics kind of like tumble into one i know we kind of like do our little like quick sports thing and then go into something but i was telling mike i was like i think all of these things kind of like lead into each other and we could kind of like talk about it so yeah you guys enjoyed it and hopefully we did our best mike and the mad dog (laughs) what do you mean (laughs) show some respect show some respect for this (laughs) what are we talking about (laughs) so let's do top five uh you know top five (laughs) all right part four of our book club for july the once upon a time in Hollywood, a novel, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, today, we're going to start with chapter 16. Mm-hmm. And this is entitled James Stacy. All right, so this is just like a background to the uh, actor, uh, James Stacy, who we find out, you know, he plays in real life, he played Lancer in this pilot, uh, Johnny Madrid, or Johnny uh, uh, Lancer. Lancer, like he's like one of the brothers. Yeah. And in this chapter, was just uh, given the background to where he got his name, because that's not his real name. As we know that, hey, John Wayne is not his real name. Mm-hmm. Marion Morrissey is his Marian. name. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's an Irishman. It's an Irishman name. Um, he changed it to John Wayne. And James Stacy changed it. Uh, you find out that he's of the Eisenhower actor era, much like our uh, Rick Dalton is. Uh, he, he changed his name to James because of James Dean. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. who's super popular in the 50s, and James Stacy is an Eisenhower actor, as we find out. Uh, so he changed his name to James. And uh, who played uh, who played uh, James Stacy's brother in the movie, yeah, ironically? Luke Perry. Okay, Luke Perry, he was billed as the 90s James Dean in mm-hmm. Beverly Hills Now with 2 and 0. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's just ironic. It's also interesting that... Uh, Final even, 
yeah, final role, dedicated. Uh, DiCaprio actually, uh, in one of the interviews I listened to, he was like, holy shit, that's Luke Perry. <laughs> like, yeah. of all the guys he's worked with, he was like, oh, Luke Perry, holy yeah, shit. Yeah. This when he was a kid, you know, he was like 13 years old probably when No One To came out. Yeah, No One To One Buffy, the vampires, yep. the movie. The movie, yeah, that's a big deal. Um, yeah. So we have, oh yeah, so we have the backstory of James uh, Stacy, his earlier work. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he guessed he guessed on Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke is even if you don't know much about like Western TV shows, you know Gunsmoke. Yeah, you know okay. that's like one of the most famous ones. Yeah, and I was like captivated by the um by the re the telling of the episode synopsis. And I never realized, or may may have realized it, but forgotten. But was reminded that he was married to Kim Darby, who was the um she played the little girl in um true grit with john wayne ironically mm-hmm. i would talk of um russe um cockburn russe cockburn right well hollywood's a small town as you find out in this yeah so, like, and then she have ripple effects that affect your career yeah he, he was married to her for like two years and then but she i know her from this um one of my favorite 80s movies probably my favorite better off dead with um John Cusack <laughs> she played the mom and the mom like was like very um it, it was one of those movies where the mom was very uh like her heart was in the right place but her head was kind of like missing because she would make these uh meals yeah. that would like come alive <laughs> she microwaved like bacon and slop and so it's a funny movie if you haven't seen better off dead it's one of my favorite movies John Cusack's great yeah. Um, yeah. So Gunsmoke. Yeah. Well, Gunsmoke. Um, it lasted what? I don't know, like fifteen years or a long 20. time. Twenty years. So it was the forties all the way to this, no, the early fifties to the early seventies. Yeah. And so season thirteen is the episode that uh, James Stacy guested on, and yeah. the whole thing that and they keep hyping up is that if you guest on it, you know, it's, that's your audition. For like yeah, your own and, show. and you talk about like the longevity of it. It was one of those things. Um, ironically, when like the Simpsons ended up passing it, and I always said like people were always saying like, "Oh, you got to cancel the Simpsons. You got to cancel the Sim-. like why is the Simpl- Simpsons still on?" And it was a uh, in in describing Gunsmoke like Quentin Tarantino in a book. He's like, it became one of those things where like the show's quality. And his viewership was down, but it was so much of a staple that it was hard to like take it out of like the lineup. Yeah, it's like they even mentioned yeah, who's yeah. the actor. The main actor would like basically become a guest. Like guest he didn't want to work. He was recurring, and we we've seen that with like a lot of shows where like you know the the star kind of like. But he, they said it. It was like he he didn't go into movies and he didn't do other shows. He just like didn't want to work as much. That reminds me of, uh, like, when I, and when I imagine these shows, it reminds me of, uh, like, CSI. Yeah. Those type of shows that are always on, always number one in the ratings for some reason because it's on Channel 2. So everyone has it on their TV anyway. Um, those type of shows reminds me. That's like having uh, William Peterson, you know, like, not be on anymore, which he isn't. And then you yeah. had uh, the redhead, was it, Caruso? Yeah, it, it reminds me, Um, you know, I watch General Hospital. Like, the mo- one of the... the- yeah. main guy on General Hospital like ever since you know everybody knows Luke and Laura the the wedding um Luke Tony Gary he like retired but if you watch the show 
he had a written on his contract that he would get like four months off every year. So they always have some kind of like storyline where like Luke would disappear. So one one mm-hmm. as a viewer, you'd be like, oh, like so and so got kidnapped, and Luke has to go find her. It's like in your head, it's like, oh, it's like Tony Gary's like vacation. All right, we'll see him in January. Um, but the thing about like the show being on so long that it became like a staple, and I would talk about like Simpsons and my idea on that is just that like I always say about the Simpsons when people say like they need to 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 um cancel it or it needs to end is that like if you ended the simpsons like you had to have something as good as the simpsons on to like replace it because god forbid you're the show that replaces the simpsons and you fail because then people are gonna like people will forget how bad the simpsons is like now like currently they'll just be like all right well if this show the fact that this show is not good, you might as well have just kept The Simpsons on. So I think that's why it's so hard. Once those shows have been on for so long, it's so hard to get rid of them. Hmm. Uh, you have a lot of great backstory to uh, why this is such a big deal. Like why this first day on the sh- on the job shooting is a big deal. Um, the narrator, who's like Tarantino pretty much, he's describing... Um, at one point, he describes um, Johnny, let me think, James Stacy, um, very similar to Rick Dalton. Uh, but Rick Dalton is a guest. He's, he's playing the villain, the heavy. And in the bigger scheme of things, Westerns were very popular up until like the 60s. And then you had this whole new wave of Westerns, right? The spaghetti Westerns. Mm-hmm. And they kind of like subverted it uh like they they mentioned like charles bronson was always like a villain in the westerns and then by the late 60s early 70s he was the good guy you know was an anti-hero yeah because uh, like the the american westerns or the westerns that were made hollywood american uh, hollywood westerns like they were always very cliche you know sheriff has to fight off like these um um Cattle rustlers. Yeah, cattle rustlers or um these desperate or these bandits that are coming into town, like High Noon with, with Gary Cooper. Um, a lot of the John Wayne films, you'd have, you know, basically our same cliche. It's like the town fighting like the bad guy. Whereas like the spaghetti western started to like think outside the box where it was like, you know, it'd be like the hired gun fights off like these like um bandits or sometimes it would be done from like the bandit perspective and it, he actually like name dropped one of my favorite like actually my favorite western once upon a time in the west where henry fonda throughout his career he was known to be like the good guy and sergio leone when he did once upon a time in the west he was like you know we're gonna open a movie and first thing um henry fonda does is he's gonna kill a kid because everybody's expecting him to be the bad guy and it's going to be like the the plot twist in in the beginning it's um subverting expectations um yeah subversion even 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 like once upon a time in hollywood we talked about a little bit last week where they were talking about like you, you know when we talked about you know people saying we're criticizing quentin tarantino because sharon tate's role was minimal 
um, as opposed to what was expected. And I think that's what he did. He subverted expectations because I, you know, when I first saw the trailer, I was like, all right, it's going to be, you know, Rick and Cliff and then Charles Manson and then Sharon Tate. Like the movie was going to be about those three, three different things equally. And as we've known, as we've seen, like in Glorious Bastards, it jumped from different stories that kind of like had a main road. But when what he basically was doing was subverting expectations because Charles Manson is in a movie like barely even like five minutes. So Sharon, you, you go into the movie thinking like Sharon Tate is going to be in this big old movie. And even midway through the movie, when she goes um, to the movies to see herself on film, like you're thinking like, oh, all right, now we're going to see more of Sharon Tate, but we don't. Uh, it's subverted, but it didn't take away from the movie. You see the real Sharon Tate. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. But it, I think his goal was to have people start talking about her, not just as a victim. And I think yeah. that's because Tarantino is a very pop culture. He's He lives off, he lives in pop culture. So um, a lot of people are, when they think of Sharon Tate, they don't think of her just as someone who was murdered. Yeah. But like when I brought up like subversion, just like, so it didn't mean like, I, so it didn't seem like I was going off on a tangent. I was using like once upon a time in the West as like an example because it showed how like the Italian film industry doing Westerns, they were starting to think, think out of the box. So if you just went to the movies to see the good, the bad and the ugly, and then you turn on like Bonanza, like Bonanza is going to seem like, you know, a Disney movie compared to what you just saw in the movies. So what Lancer, the show Lancer was meant to do was kind of to, you know, bring that spaghetti Western into like Sunday nights on CBS. And guess what? Uh, I love wrestling. And it kind of reminds me of in the 1980s, he had Hulk Hogan, you know, he was like everyone's favorite, you know, the kids loved him. And he, he revived his career by subverting it, becoming the bad guy, you know, yeah. like down the line and very much wearing black. Like, you know, like he, he, he switched to like, 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 the, uh, like a Western. Mm-hmm. Oh no. How, how dare he do that? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So they're talking about the episode of Gunsmoke. Uh, again, I got captivated with it too. Um, basically, uh, you kind of feel for uh, James Stacy's character, but you still know, like, like every other standard Western uh Matt Dillon, you know, the, the sheriff is going to have to take out James Stacy because he broke the law. That's, it always has to go back at the end to all's good in Dodge City. You know, you know, he, he took yeah. care of everything. But you had that hint of uh, counter culture, like even then. So now you have 69, they're filming Lancer, and this is going to be kind of the Hollywood TV Westerns answer to the counterculture to the Spaghetti Westerns. And the mustache comes up again. Like they didn't want the uh, the network didn't want the hero to have the mustache, you know. Yeah. So they gave it to someone who is very similar to the James Stacy, um, but he was always seen as like the you know like the good guy and everything. Now he's playing the villain. He's in the whole arc of uh, Rick Dolan is coming to terms with him having to like change his persona. Uh, he's at that point, like you know, like John Wayne. Uh, you know, or you said Henry Fonda too. Like, yeah, at one point they had to like change it, or they got too stale. It's just funny because people always say "Get out of the Dodge" too. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's where it's from. It's from a movie. It's great. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, they also bring up Bruce Dern, who is actually in the movie version of it, and they bring yeah. up Bruce Dern as an actor, which is great. Very meta. I always have to bring yeah, up. Yeah, he was he was guest starring in that same episode that they were filming, right? He was like one of the henchmen or something like that. Yeah, so this is like so this, the most personal thing that Tarantino has done, man. It's like, uh, it, it just seems so like personal to him. Like he was able to talk to Bruce Dern too about that while he was filming the movie. Yeah, um, I, and then it, it talked about like the the um, it was like the duel between Stacy and Rick. Yeah, where it's like it's, they're staring at each other like a shootout. You know, that's yeah. exactly what I wrote down. Like. It was like, the, the, but they're both acting chill. Like they're not like letting the other one. You know, it's the same thing with the Western when you have the two hands and yeah. you're not like uh, you didn't pull out the gun yet. So it's who's gonna flinch first? Yeah, you know. And uh, you know, like Rick Dolan's like this, that cocksucker didn't say hi to me in that other show. You know. Yeah. But then uh, it, was saying, it was like etiquette that like the starter show should you know greet the guest star, welcome them, thank them for being on the show. Mm. Um. And rules of the West. Yeah, he was he was taking so long to like do it, and mind you, like Kate, um, Rick Dalton is like hung over while like this during this whole process. Every time he's brought up while he's filming, um, this this episode, he's hung over from like having eight um old fashioned whiskey sours. Um, but it was interesting when they were having a conversation, and I thought about it like. You know, everybody keeps bringing up the um the uh oh yeah the Great Escape yeah the Great Escape and um Steve McQueen he's, uh, yeah so he's like and he's, he's like embarrassed and it's funny because it's one of those things it's like imagine like you were the dude that was dating Beyonce before she became famous it's like mm-hmm. there's two types of people like one guy that would um over exaggerate and then one guy who would kind of like sell himself short it's like you know. And then in between, it's like what actually happened. So let's say in like actuality, like you dated her for like six months. And then, you know, on one way, it's like you're self-loathing because you're like, damn, I was going out with Beyonce. So anytime somebody's like, yo, I heard you used to go out with Beyonce. It's like, yeah, you know, we went out like a couple of times. It wasn't nothing serious. In reality, you went out for six months. And then there's a dude that would over-exaggerate, like, oh, yeah, we was about to get married, but she wanted to become a superstar. So I said, you know, I don't want to stand in your way and get in the way of your dreams, like the guy that would over-exaggerate. So in Rick Dalton's version of things, like, he's the guy that would, like, you know, kind of, you know, put put some reins on us. Like, no, nah, it wasn't that serious. It was, you know, if Steve McQueen said no even then it was me and the three georges um i wasn't really that close um when in reality it's like you know steve mcqueen like if he did get like he he was really in actuality up for the role but it it, it ain't enough to say that like he lost he missed out on it only because of steve mcqueen um, so I always thought it was an interesting thing and it showed how he was like getting irritated about it. And I love how the chapter ended. The last line in the chapter was, so Jim, what do you think about my mustache? <laughs> yeah. It's like his way to disarm him. You yeah. can't shoot. It's not a shootout. It's like a, a mental and verbal uh, jousting. 
uh, where like he thinks it's like a dig that whenever someone brings up the whole great escape thing, it's like a dig. Yeah. So he even goes further than just not even just him saying that like, oh, there was the three Georges too. He also even goes further and says he only got the McCluskey gig because the guy in the Virginian got hurt. Like he even right. goes, well, I only got that one because of that. Yeah, yeah. Like he, so he uses that as a way so to like, like, yeah, it's like deflect. Lord, it's, give it's it, like, Lord, give it, yeah. and Lord, take it. Uh, and even though, like, underneath all this, there's this like storm in this guy's fucking mind. Rick Dalton's gonna go, you know, and and ultimately comes out down later in the year with the flame door. But uh, yeah, so like that was a great like, you know, just and I, I like the the, the parallels between the two, especially when it's like um. Sam Wanamaker, the director of the episode, like he keeps on bringing up like Shakespeare and all these like, you know, Lawrence Olivier, um, London theater like plays, and it's like Rick's like Santa is like I don't know none of this shit. I never, um, did Shakespeare. I never read Shakespeare. Uh, and and as like a, a a fan of movies you think like every actor was like a theater like major like or or did like school mm. plays and stuff like that and it's like far from the truth um it's very much like the jim stacy story where he's like he hangs out by this like pharmacy that you know um you know agents and you know movie directors or producers and stuff goes to and he just has a look about him or he tries to dress like james dean so that hopefully somebody sees him as James Dean and then it's like, oh, you have a look. All right. We're going to get you like the best acting coaches ever. He was an influencer. Yeah. Back in the 50s. He was a TikToker in the 50s. Yeah. So uh, basically, like like I was, I was saying, like Rick and him kind of probably came into Hollywood the same way. They're not like mm. classically trained actors. They were just guys that look good. And people decided to invest in, you know, making them into actors. Also, Sam Monomaker is. I feel like he's making more of this pilot than it really is, too, because like it's like his chance. That's why I think he keeps bringing up Shakespeare too. Like where he's like, "This is my chance." You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. And he's also working them two against each other too. Like he's actually smarter than he seems when he's just like yeah, he, I, he seems like, you, like over when you the read top, movie like, when you read like movie tri- tri- um trivia like there's always like um I forgot what movie it was, but it was like one of the movies where oh I think like um Breakfast Club. Where like Judd Nelson was perfect, purposefully, no, nah, but he kind of like did that on his own. Um, I'm trying to think. It was like some movie where a director like used to like implant in the one guy that like the other guy hated him, and uh, just so that they would have like a natural chemistry of like not liking each other, and it translated on film so well that it was only like at the premiere it was like, well, you know, like oh, so and so said, like you said that I suck. Yeah. Wasn't that Tony Scott with uh, Top Gun with uh, Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise or something like that? It was something like that. I doubt it because I'm not in like that super into like Top Gun. It was some oh, movie. Okay. That oh, I, okay. I, that I never saw it either. I can't like for some reason it's escaping me. Uh, but the next chapter, chapter 17, is a good one. A uh, little more Cliff uh, action going on. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you find out like more about his war history and like he's they have. Um, he talks about uh, they talk about him uh, being cause of like a uh, prison camp uprising. Yeah, and, and I, they, he, they made like a movie of it, and it was kind of like not true. Yeah, uh, but it's like you know everything's the same except for it's uh, they don't show this. It's on a submarine. Um, 
you know, they, it's not, uh, there's no Filipinos in it. There's no gorilla Filipinos in it. Yeah. And I was saying like the, if the, the guy running the place was as like flamboyant as the guy in a movie, like he would have just, he wouldn't even escape. He would have just stayed there and waited. It would have like, yeah, it was, he was a lot more vicious. And that was the reason why he ended up like escaping. I love the imagery. They really, uh, Tarantino really brings up the whole like prison camp thing with Japanese, like really showcasing like the Japanese as like, you know, like beheadings and stuff. It's like very, very violent mm-hmm. imagery. Yeah. Um, but we also find out that after his, after the war, what he did, what he did uh, when he came back to the States. Um, well, he spent some time in France. Out. Yeah. That's so basically he, uh, he learns the rules of being a Mac. Yeah. A pimp. It was very much and, like uh, the movie. When I was reading it, it reminded me of the movie The Mac. But it was interesting. Like, the guy goes through the whole, like, process of, like, how you pimp. Because he was just fascinated by it. And he was thinking, like, all right, maybe this is a possible way I could, like, earn money. And, you know, the pimp, you know, essentially pimping ain't easy. <laughs> he found mm-hmm. out. <laughs> um, and he was just, like, it's too much work. And it was just, like, because you have to keep taking care of the women you have to you you have to take care of them financially um sexually and he was just like man like i think that's the the part he was like he was like having sex um just to have sex is like fun but having to have sex and do it just like because that's what you're supposed to do it didn't fascinate him so it was it was interesting because when we talk about like people looking at it from like um, a 1969 mindset, as opposed to reading and reading it from a 2021 mindset, is just like, oh, he's not opposed to pimping because it's like degrading to women. He's opposed to it because it's too much work for him. Yeah, it's like he has to do like double the amount of work, yeah. and it feels like 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 breaking horses to me. Like, you oh no, you gotta like tame them. It's, it's like too much of a freaking work for that. Watch yourself, yeah. Michael. You're in 2021, close to 1969. <laughs> uh, my inner monologue is 1980 um yeah but like yeah, they go to that whole thing uh then you find out that he was in cleveland for a while in yeah. america in the states and um he's at a pizza shop and uh he's going out with like a mobster's girlfriend yeah it was like his high school like sweetheart so they like he he like reconnected with her they go out right 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 and she looks over a corner sitting at the you know like sitting by the counters, like two of the her boyfriends, or you know her goons. guys, um, goons, and you know he basically it's like a cool last scene. And it's like it's one of them things I could picture like being in a movie. Yeah, but it wasn't. I totally pictured it. Yeah, yeah, it was it like, was very vibrant with like the the checkered, uh, the the tablecloth. I could picture it. You know, I yeah, feel yeah. I see myself in there because I saw like pizza used to be um yeah like furnished. Um, with the the checkered tablecloth, but he tells her like go to the bathroom, um, lock the door and don't come out until I tell you it's okay. And the guys come try to like you know intimidate him, and he's like, "You guys Italian?" It was like, "Yeah, what of it?" And it's like pulls out his like medal of honor or whatever. He's like, "You know how many like Italians I killed to earn this?" It was like ten. <laughs> it's like ten in one day. And then they, they kind of do, like, their whole, like, tough guy shit. And then he pulls out his gun and, like, shoots them. And he's like, yeah, like, it, 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 like, nothing came of it because 
Uh, he told the police, he was like, well, they told me, like, they were going to drug and kidnap me and the girl. So I was like, what was I supposed to do? And the, the cops was just like, okay, yeah, you, you want us to pay your tab? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he he's creating this character uh, with Cliff. He's like a, a Death Wish character where it's like uh, living vicariously through him, you know, you know uh, vigilante shit. Yeah, and it's his... Um... He's it's like funny. It's his first. It's his first murder that he got away with, like chronologically. But it's like the third one mentioned in the book. Yeah, and it's it's like weird because that was the most deliberate. Yeah, of the so. murders, like he was a professional. That was like a st- scene straight out of. Well, that was like I could picture it like being shot like Carlito's way with the bathroom scene. You know, I'm yeah. reloaded. That's yeah. what it felt like. You want to play uh, rough? Yeah, that's what it felt like. Old from movie, my bad. Last week we talked about confusing Scarface and Carlito's way, and I just did it. He does. He does reloaded in that too, though. But um, yeah. So eighteen. This is just more of those chapters in the book where it's like the the episode of Lancer, and it's kind of just like uh, talking about uh, uh, Rick's character Caleb in it. Yeah, it, uh, it kind of sets up like the scene that they were going to shoot, mm-hmm. um, with those two but it didn't include it just mentioned you know in the movie it showed his like which was improvised by leonardo dicaprio but it showed um his like um his episode inside the trailer and it just kind of like it was like a huge part of the movie like one of the best scenes but like in the book it's like mentioned a lot of like the best scenes are simply just mentioned in the book yeah, um, that happens a couple of times where it's, you know, they don't dive into it, which is great because, like, you can write something on a page and then you can have, like, a four-minute scene about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I wish I brought them. I have them somewhere. I have, like, 10 movie adaptations and I was flipping through them um, and it's, like, way different. Uh, I want to, I wanna, by the end of our book club for the month, I'm going to try to give examples of how they're different. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's the scene there. Uh, chapter 19. Uh, we have it goes back to when Cliff was uh, what he's doing during the day, like yeah. they mentioned the rated the, the nudie, the rated X film, Carol Baker. That's the way I like him built. I had to look her up. Yeah, which is interesting for what happens later on. I kind of made like a little like connection, but um, you know, he talked yeah. about after he went to the movies, they, he has another like run in with um. Deborah Joe, aka Pussycat, or Pussycat, aka Deborah Joe, um, where he was about to give her a ride, but she hops in a car with like another guy that you know looks like um some guy from a show called Room Two Twenty Two, um. So he goes on about his business, goes to um a record store called Hot Wax, and because he was listening to the radio and keeps on missing like. Um, he only remembers the song from the chorus, but he wants to hear like the whole song. Um, it's a song by Tom Joe, Delilah, Tom Jones by Tom Jones, um, Delilah. And, you know, it's different from today where it's like, all right, you hear a song and you can just like look it up on YouTube or, um, Shazam Shazam or like Siri and it'll find that song for you. Do you know uh, what the song is, though? Have you ever heard it before? I meant to listen to it before we watched. Okay. It's, uh, it actually came up. Someone else said that's one of his favorite songs, but uh, my mom loves Tom Jones. I like yeah. Tom Jones. I saw him live, actually, a couple years ago. 
kicked he, ass. He, yeah, and um, you know, it goes through the whole motions of him and the. It's it's kind of crazy how like interesting and made like like the book makes like mundane shit like going to the record. Oh show. yeah, I wrote this is Cliff Cruising chapter. That's what I wrote down. Yeah. Um, it, no, but oh, Delilah is about um a man killing his wife. Okay. Oh, so yeah, he said he was partial yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's partial to men who kill their women. <laughs> It's a crazy song because it's the cops coming, and it's like basically him saying it's like a it's like a love song, but it's like the cops are coming. He's like, I'm sorry I did this, Delilah. I had to. I love you too much for, to see you with someone else. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that type of deal. Yeah. So uh, you know, you describe the people in the the shop, the people that work there. Um, you know, one guy. Yeah, one guy could have been the son of a guy he served with. That's like an interesting little tidbit. You know, he's yeah, hanging out with people that are uh, twenty years younger than him. Yeah, and like how he you know goes through the the um the girl working in the store that has to open the A track case because um they keep A tracks like under lock and key like, like you know how you freaking, yeah like it's like, you know when you, Sony yeah or like you go to like the the, the Walmart and you gotta ask somebody to come get you um like Madden yeah. uh. You know, as she she sees, I like, pulls out like Tom Jones, and she giggles, and it's like, you know, like why why is this funny to you? Like he takes like a little offense to it, but he walks out, sees Deborah Joe, and then they kind of have like a little like shit, you know, shit chat, and um, she hops in, he gives her a ride, and you know, he's like, where are you going? And she's like, Chatsworth, and it's like, you know, um, it's like way out of the way, um. So it's like you like somebody has to be like crazy. It's like if you were in a Bronx and somebody was like you're waiting for somebody to give you like a ride to like White Plains. Mm, way out of the way. Yeah, it's like way out of the way. So he's like, oh, um, she's like, oh, uh, uh, it's nice. Like I take people to this movie ranch and he's like Spawn Ranch. And she's like, yeah. And, like, you know, he finds it, like, fishy because it's, it used to be a movie set. He knows the owner of it, George Spann. So, it's, like, why would a bunch of, like, teenagers and, like, hippies be on his farm? Um, yeah. But on the ride over, it gets interesting, far more interesting than a movie. And I believe it's because um, if you don't include it, not to say, like, Quentin Tarantino gives a damn. But I think if you included included that part into the movie, it would have just been gratuitous. Mm-hmm. But in the book, the fact that like you know he was thinking like he was gonna see like Carol Baker actually like getting it on, and he didn't. And then next thing you know, like uh, he pops. You know, she goes into his bag, pulls out the Tom Jones CD, and first song that pops on is what's new pussycat you know what's new pussycat whoa 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 and she kind of does like a sexy dance and she takes off her bottoms takes off her panties and like starts you know playing with herself in the car and then you know cliff's kind of like amused by it and fascinated and he's, he keeps on saying like one eye on the road one eye on her <laughs> one eye on the road one eye on her so he he didn't get to see like any action in this movie, but here he is in real life. Like he's looking at it, but then his conscience catches up to him. And it's like, yeah, I'm in my like forties. I don't even know if this girl's eighteen. And it's like I'm not gonna like go to jail for like 
you know, having sex with a minor. Um, and they kind of basically have the same conversation in a movie, but it didn't have... They mentioned the idea. It was the same dialogue, but it wasn't... Yeah. Um, let, let your mind imagine. like Yeah. And Which is the opposite. Usually the book lets your mind wander, but the movie made your mind wander. Because he yeah. always says it was eight. I didn't see ID because he in his head, like, okay, it could go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. and it's like it kind of gave context to um and the book gave context to why he said in a movie, he was like, There's a lot of things I could go to jail for, and I'll be damned if like I'll go to jail for like, you know, having sex with like jailbait. They also call him Mr. Blonde in it. I thought that was funny. Yeah, I actually had that note. I was like, ooh, like Mr. Reservoir Blonde. Dogs reference. Okay, okay. And then you also have the thing where she's like, oh, movies are stupid. You know, like, you know, imaginary people, you know, killing people. But in real life in Vietnam, people are dying every day. So you have that hint of, you know, like 69 going on. Yeah. And, he's, and she's talking to a man who killed dozens and dozens and dozens of people, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I said, he he was like, you know, I'll be, you know, I could go to jail for a lot of things, or I could have went to jail for a lot of things, and I'll be damned if the one time I do is because of this. And then you come to find out, like, yeah, because he's been getting away with murder <laughs> over yeah. and over. It's like, it's like, damn, the one thing I actually like didn't want to do, or I don't know, wanted to do, I don't know. But it was an interesting, um interesting section of the book um i think next week's gonna be the last one that we do and then uh, or the last couple chapters and then we're gonna watch the movie again and then kind of you know make our like final um you know spiels on uh on the novel i think that just so far we have like 100 pages left almost maybe less but um the characters are so much deeper in the book, like the Pussycat. Like yeah. in the movie, she was—I felt she was a throwaway. I like I didn't really. Well, I haven't seen it in two years, but like, um, she seems more like a solid character. Like, yeah, and inter- it, integral and, to the story. And, it's, and it's she had her fun. own chapter at one point. It's like they—it's funny they—they they had the same information, you know, talking about how she got involved with the Manson family, like earlier in the book, mm-hmm. but then it was her. It's actually coming from her. And it's actually a person like responding to it. And he's like, So you're telling me this guy like had this guy like had sex with his like took his teenage daughter, had sex with her, stole his car, the same car like he picked him up hitchhiking in. Like he's like, This dude has some audacity and then like um it showed like Cliff kind of like being fascinated a little bit by Charles Manson. He was like, I gotta meet this Charlie guy. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting, yeah. Yeah, but well, next week we're going to finish this off, and it's been fun the whole month uh, getting deeper into this. It really invigorated my uh, love for the Tarantino movies, too. You know? Yeah. Well, Mike, with all the sports stuff, one, okay, so, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, what's, what's your final thoughts for 62? Episode 62. All right, so I'm thinking about, um, first off, the Cleveland Guardians. Um What's in a name? Like, what's in a name? You still have the legacy of everything they've not accomplished or have accomplished too. I don't want to be mean, but uh, the Indians are, you know, they were like, you know, major part of MLB. Uh, I think it's a it's a big step that they took the initiative. All pretty much, uh, they did kind of they went ahead of it more so than the Washington uh, Snyder did. 
they got ahead of it before they they completely were like the bad guy. Um, and at least the name has something to do with the city. It's not like let's say I don't know a mythical creature like the kraken in Seattle we have now, which you know I don't know that names are some names are silly. Some names like I love I love the Yankees, New York Yankees. It means you know it has something to do with historical. It's also you know great uh, history to it. But yeah, the Seattle Kraken now. Uh, I'm, I don't like the shots that the people are dogging uh, Sean Kemp with those photos, and I don't like that. But uh, but in all seriousness, it's uh, it's a positive step. Uh, you're always gonna have people saying like, "Oh, I'm not watching sports anymore," like, "Oh," which doesn't make any sense. Um, I don't think it's an overreaction. We've been talking about this for a year. We talked about it a year ago. I know it's not an overreaction. It's. Uh, uh, it's, you know, it's important. You still have all the, 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 the numbers from the past. It's just a different name. It's still a city. Um, Rachel Nichols, I'm going to go into this. I just haven't liked her. for like a, She's one of the reasons why I stopped watching ESPN, to be honest, because I don't like the – it's like a phony voice with not even great deep questions. So even if there were really deep questions, and I know that it's just like a good question, but I know the person saying it doesn't really care what the answer is, it's a stupid question. She doesn't care. She's more worried about like how she sounds on TV, I think. Um, so what do you think? It's just, the, ugh, I just don't like it. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy that uh, I, like to, I like Chris Paul's response. Uh, I feel bad for him. Uh, I don't feel bad for him. I'm just saying like, you know, how many more shots does he have? Um, but I am happy the Bucks won. It's good to see a team. I thought the Sixers were going to win. I was like, oh, it's good to see the Sixers because they did it right. They did it right. That's uh, the word that I would have used, the term. Uh, but the Bucks, you know, they're not the mega Bucks. They're not like a team uh, like the Heat of uh, the LeBron era and everything. Uh, even though now they're getting shit from all these people saying, oh, you have all these max players and everything. But like, but still, the Milwaukee Bucks are not a huge market team. You know, they're not like superstars packed. You know, they're not like the Nets were. So I like that. Um, it's, it's what I want the Knicks to be. Um, it's cool seeing New Blood in uh, ESPN. You know, Malika Andrews, we had that. Hey, why not? Uh, in a time where turn a negative into a positive, if someone new, young, youngest person ever in the NBA Finals uh, ceremony room, uh, holding their own, doing their thing, that's good. That's what it's all about. It's about competition, even behind the camera, too. Uh, Richard Nichols is... She she tripped up. Let's just say that. And Mary Taylor, if she goes to NBC, NBC doesn't have a wider range like ESPN and Disney, but uh, you have Olympics, which is global. You have five billion people watching that, so she's gonna be all over the place. Her story's gonna keep going, and who knows? Like you said, Chuck, maybe Rachel Nichols will be doing uh, talking to uh, these Russian dudes in hockey who have no idea like what like, you know what she's saying. Uh, what else are we talking about? Uh, oh yeah, with the NFL. Uh, now you're talking about money. It's like, how many more things? It's like, oh, the honor honor system. You know, like, hey, it's a good thing. You know, get vaccinated for your players. But now it's like, now you're not going to be able to play if you don't do it. Now people are getting taking it more seriously, and um, you know, NFL is quickly approaching. And uh, even if you have the vaccine and you get it, the people around you don't have to do the whole quarantine type thing that they would have to do if they if they didn't have the vaccine um so just you know just do it um once a time in hollywood 
uh, we have one more week left, but uh, this was a lot of fun. It made me appreciate uh, the film more. The actual uh, Once Time in Hollywood, the movie, it was up there like my top three or four, but now it's getting more and more to like two because I'm realizing how personal of a film, a project this is for Tarantino because it's very autobiographical. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about a chapter where he's in a bar and he's kind of like mentioned in it. Uh, I, I mentioned last week that when um, Sharon Tate went to the film to watch herself, it was actually inspired by a true event that happened with Tarantino. It's very autobiographical. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, I have a massive migraine, but we got through it. And Chuck, your final thoughts. Yeah, I think, like, you know, people, the, the players who aren't vaccinated, I've already seen, like, it was a couple of coaches that's already opted, opted out of the season because of these new rules or these new protocols. And, you know, it depends. Like, nobody's forcing you to do it. But, you know, if, you're, if your team has a le- legitimate chance at, like, winning games or, dare I say, even a Super Bowl and, you know, not taking a shot that's actually going to help us go back to normalcy, you know, it's, it's left on you. Like, if, to me, it seems kind of selfish if you chose not to. But if you don't deem it to be selfish and you see, seem it to be um, self-care, then, you know, that's, that's on you. Um, but you, you can't anticipate that, you know, society as a whole is going to, like, agree with you. Um, you know, we've learned over this past, like, year that we need to follow science, you know, and that's, that's a problem. You need to follow science instead of, like, following what you read on like Facebook or these random uh, pieces of information and all these like videos with all of this like disinformation. Um, but that's that. I'm vaccinated. Mike's vaccinated. So my family's vaccinated. People in my family are not vaccinated. But, you know, those who don't learn, they will feel, especially with this Delta variant, that's like super... Um, contagious and from what i'm saying like a lot of children are getting it and um it's a like a very bleak you know children who aren't able to get the vaccine um are getting it so you know it's not about you it, it's it's about the, it's, it's a bigger picture type of deal um such a great nba finals um Giannis winning was probably one of the first times I'd seen in like a while, like people were universally like happy um, or um, showed a lot of admiration for a player winning. Um, he told, you know, he, he, he was a middle round draft pick, grew up very poor. It's kind of like a very real like rocks to riches story. So it's something to be proud of. And again, he's only 26. So his, like his, his storybook, Oh, his NBA storybook is like only half filled and it's filled with a lot at this point. Um, Rachel Nichols, you know, it's, it's already shown, like, it's already evident, like ESPN read the room and saw like people aren't like fascinated by her. Um, it's one thing if she was merely average, like people, you know, like she's not even that. Um, and they've, they've seen that and people are starting to see people that we really admire, like a Malika Andrews and a Maria Taylor 
where Maria Taylor, she's going to go, you know, possibly to NBC. Who knows? Maybe we'll be surprised that she goes to like CBS or some other network. Um, and, you know, she explodes there and gets even bigger and bigger with her profile. Um, she gets, she's somebody stepping in her spot is going to be another talented young african-american woman malika andrews so i'm excited to see that and just like the talk on mental health when it comes to naomi oscar i think too many times we see these people on tv and we speak for them and we talk for them and you forget like they are real people and you know they can do what they please like naomi oscar don't have to do anything that i like doesn't have to do anything Mike's likes and she especially doesn't have to do anything not Megan Kelly likes so I hope she continues um you know doing her and doing what's best for her and you know keep winning tennis matches um keep working in social justice and trying to get equality for us all um something she's been very very um vocal about like uh, you know I hope she uses her platform for that and mental health as long as she's doing that like i don't care if she talks about a tennis tennis match i mean like true and true story like i've never seen her play tennis before i'm not interested in tennis as a sport but she opens her mouth and she's talking about these issues i want to hear about it she's opening her mouth and she's talking about mental health issues and how that affects her you know i want to hear about it because those are things i can relate to i can't relate to the tennis part of it but these are the things people want, you know, her to ask mundane questions about, and she'd rather not be bothered and ask, you know, her right. Um, Cleveland, as I said, can't wait to see those um, Guardian uniforms. You know, I hope the city embraces it. I hope all of those people who are against it, you know, fuck off somewhere. Like, uh, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat that, like, and as I said before, big point, the fact that they really didn't change the typography, the colors, um, really anything but the logo, like it goes to show that it how unnecessary, you know, Chief Wahoo, which they got rid of years ago, and how unnecessary the name Indians was, which they you know, they're gonna get rid of. That you know, that's that's my takeaway from it. But this has been episode 62 of show me the mooney next week more once upon a time in hollywood we're gonna um finish the book and talk about those last chapters and i'm pretty sure we're gonna have um interesting stuff to talk about next week um nba draft nfl getting ready to start i'm pretty sure like more of the nfl players will keep talking so till next time show me the mooney show me the mooney show me the mooney